I know this guy's out in uh, Arizona, and there's uh, lots to talk about. Joining us now on the Harbor One Hotline, former New England Patriot, former Tennessee Titan, uh, and a guy whose life is going to be turned into a book and a movie. Malcolm Butler is with Gresh and Fourier here on WEEI. Malcolm, good afternoon. How are you? Good afternoon. How you doing? Thanks good. for having me. Well, uh, thanks for uh, joining us, and uh, Lord knows people in New England have a lot of questions for you, but let's start with this. A book and a movie? Like, that stuff that is rarefied air, there I'm sitting beside a former professional athlete, and, well, they ain't making any movies about Christian Foyer, at least not yet anyway, but how about that, Malcolm? Just a little bit on sort of the book and the movie, documentary, what, what, what's coming down the pike here? Uh, man, just, just my life story. A lot of questions that um, people wanted to know about and uh, just my life story, how I got to the, to the like, to where I'm at now, man, and uh, just my success story, man. It's going to be motivation to the world. Um, it just, it just a, uh, it's just a great story, man. I'll never give up and keep trying your hardest, man, and, like, um, you can end up where I'm at or I know I'm not the first person that – that have achieved success in their life, but uh, it'll be some good motivation in there for the world. Malcolm, were you aware of just the constant guesswork and rumors that were going around about why you didn't play in that Super Bowl? Oh, 100%, man. Um, you know, I just stay calm, and, you know, you, you can't defeat the Internet. So I just – I know um, know everything that went on. You know, I just – try to keep peace within the team, myself, and the organization. Um, like I said, man, you can't defeat the Internet. So, you well, know. What, um, was, what, was the, what was the wildest rumor that you heard that you may have remembered? Because I just typed in, why didn't Malcolm Butler play in the Super Bowl? There's like 10 conspiracy theorists, theories came up. I, uh, it's, it's a lot that uh, I didn't hear, but uh, I'll say this. Somebody said that I was at a Rick Ross concert. Um, like the night of the game. I don't know what kind of professionalism is that, but uh, that's most definitely not true. You know, you can't defeat the Internet. So, you know, I just, you know, just keep on moving. Did teams in free agency ask you about that, or were they more focused on what you could bring to teams like Tennessee, who you ultimately signed with? Um, I don't think teams um, questioned me for that. Um, they just... Wanted to see what I could bring to that organization. Uh, they wanted me to come in and play. You know, I, you know, I had Logan Ryan there to vouch for me. You know, uh, Mike Vrabel. You know, he used to play for Belichick, so um, I'm pretty sure uh, couldn't have been that bad of a reputation behind my name. Um, random question because I just thought about this. Um, uh, Tom Brady gets the MVP and he gives you the red Chevy truck. Do you still have it? Yes, sir. Sit in my garage, nine thousand miles, man. Still nine thousand. Yes, sir. It's a collector's item. I was just gonna say you've had that thing what now eight years and it's got nine thousand miles on it. That sounds like what like the it sounds like the nanas who drive to the post office and yeah. church once a week. Yeah, man, it's a trophy, not a truck. I like yeah, that. Look at you a, dropping all these one-liners on It's us. a trophy, not a yeah, truck. That like is a good it. one. Malcolm Butler is with Gresh and Fourier. Malcolm, one of the other mysteries surrounding that Super Bowl that you didn't play in, 
people saw you very emotional on the sidelines. What were like the two hours or so leading up to that point like for you? Because there was a lot of the, we could see on your face that there was emotion, but no one knows sort of what it was like leading up to that. So what were those couple hours leading into that very emotional display you had on the sideline before the game? Um, you know, um, I always looked up to Kobe Bryant and, uh, you know, Kobe Bryant stayed with one team his whole career. And that's kind of what I wanted to do with my career. But I just knew it was coming to an end, like how things was turning out with each other. But, you know, business is business and, you know, things don't last forever. And, you know, um, things were just falling apart. Um, the national anthem, um, it was, it was just, it was, it was just tough. I was in the most, it was, it was in, it was an emotional roller coaster for me, but I did play. I did play. Um, uh, I had one rep, uh, pump return. So I guess I graded out 99%. <laughs> well, I mean, it's funny because even in that game, they, and I, I, listen, if you get sick of this stuff, just let us know because I think we're all oh, collectively, we're, we're fascinated by it, Malcolm, because in that game, they needed you out there. Like you were you they needed somebody who could cover all those wide receivers that were just running all over the place and and you were in your pads and like you said you did play but for some reason even when it seems like all hope was lost like they still didn't put you in the game and you were in your pads. Yeah man, I um I look back at that man like I'm not throwing anyone under under the bus or anything like that. You know, I know my potential. Um, you know, I like I I I thrive in big games. I play hard in big games. You know, uh, I didn't know if like I was gonna catch an interception and my value go up. And I knew I wasn't returning. I don't know what I don't know what was going on, but um, yeah, I know some guys that was on the field that. Um, most definitely couldn't cover like me. Like I like I told uh, Tampa Bay Radio the other day, Tom Brady would have had eight rings. Like Malcolm Butler, too. Malcolm Butler is with Gresh and Fourier. Uh, standing on the sideline in that moment, what was that like? And were players coming up to you, being like, "Yo, what'd you do?" Or were they blaming you? Like I'm just wondering. As you're going through that that Super Bowl, just kind of what's going through your mind and what are your teammates saying to you in that moment as well? Because like what you just said, Malcolm, they had to know the best players weren't on the field. Um man, that's tough. Um, they just, you know, I guess they felt sorry for me. Um I guess they felt sorry for me. And like it it was tough, man. It was tough. You know, my mom at the game. Um, my family there, um, got to travel back, um, on the team playing and, you know, all this media about why I didn't play all the rumors and things like that. That was, it was tough, man. It was, it was a tough pill to swallow, but, um, just got to keep moving forward and take it on the chin and keep going, man. But, you know, my team, they said they felt bad for me and they, Thought I was gonna play well at halftime. You know they huddled up, and what well, Billichick, uh, Matt Patricia, 
um, Josh Boyer. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's time to put me in the game, man. Like they still didn't. I don't know if it was an ego thing. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I, I don't know if they wanted didn't want me to make a play and then go to another team next off season. I don't know. You know. Um, I just I just don't understand it, but you know it is what it is, and you know I got more details in the in the documentary that's coming out. You know I, I played like ninety six percent of the other snaps during the season. I don't know why it's changing the Super Bowl. So, because one of the questions that I had for you, Malcolm, was, you know, there a lot of people assumed, as you said, you know, you can't defeat the internet, but that there had to be more to the story. Because we've had a couple of people send in, hey, ask him if he had to sign a non-disclosure agreement or something when he left New England, almost like it was nefarious. But the more that I hear you, the more it sounds like this was just business. And it was never explained to you why you played in that game. Is that unfair for me to think that? Um, I never signed anything like that, man. If it, if it, if I if I did, it better have been bigger than the contract I had because that was a tough. <laughs> That's a great line for anybody who knows non-disclosures agreement. Normally, there's checks that comes with can, it. Can you uh, can you share with us? Uh, maybe you uh, maybe you have a couple working titles for the documentary or the book. Do you have any? Any idea what it's going to be called? Um, the bench warmer. No, I'm messing ah, with that's a good. Well, yeah, there you go. The butler didn't do it. Yeah, there you something go. like that. I feel like I feel like there's the some but, good. The butler did do it. Yeah. Uh, what, what did the butler do? There Question you go. Mark. Right. Exactly. Hey, why did you come back to New England this year? Why give it another try? Because like you said, the internet's undefeated, but everybody assumed ain't no way Malcolm Butler and Bill Belichick could do any sort of business together whatsoever, yet you came back. Why? Um, he gave me a call and asked me, did I want to return? I don't know if it's that a, I'm sorry, come back, um... Uh, deal or whatever, but uh, like I always say, man, you never burn your bridge down. You always want to show respect. You never know who you got to go back to or who you may meet. And I guess, you know, I was a pro about it, but um, yeah, I was. I just wanted to play ball again and um, I wanted to like just end my career where I started, but it didn't work out like that. And uh, yeah, like like they like like I always said, man. Like I couldn't have done that much wrong if um, you know I was invited back to New England. So um, yeah, I know that's confusing to a lot of people. So how is your relationship now? And if you could walk us through, because uh, they put you on IR and that was it. Like that's the way it ended. Uh, what's your relationship like now? And how did that conversation go when when the when it was a uh, when, when IR came knocking at your door? Um, I was, you know, it's business. It's, it's business, you know. Um, yeah, I guess you know, uh, I injured my hip, and you know, they just wanted to just get it, get it out the way, you know. Next man up, you know, they got some young corners. Um, I didn't think they wanted to just have me sitting on their roster the whole year, and I and I really just I didn't feel comfortable in the locker room, you know. Hurt, you know. I came back. I'm in the locker room on crutches and stuff like that. I think 
really think he did me a favor because, you know, I was very uncomfortable, you know, coming back and hurting myself. And I'm in the locker room, you know, people feeling sorry for me. And I'm not that type of guy. It was just very uncomfortable for me. So, um, yeah, that's just, that's it. Malcolm, you just said something in answer ago that I want to circle back to. You mentioned about, hey, it's business. You try to handle it professionally, all that. Do you wish in retrospect that maybe throwing a tantrum might be a little strong, but that you spoke up or said something or bitched or whatever it was that was within your power in that moment that you could have done to make some sort of either public display or even in the locker room at halftime to scream at somebody, why am I not in the game? Um, Man, I was at the point where I just, I just said F it, man. I just said F it. I'm on my way out the door, you know. Um, I just, I just, I just didn't want to be bothered with. I didn't want to be a distraction to the team. You know, we in the game, and I think we was losing. You know, I think Mick Foe was burning us up. But mm-hmm. the thing, the thing about it, you know, it, it it really touched me like probably like six or seven months ago because I'm really looking at who was out on the field. Like, you telling me that I can't cover better than Jordan Richardson? You got Jordan Richardson on uh, Nelson Aguilar. Like, that's just – that was kind of disrespectful, you know, when you, when when I just think about it. And, like, man, I got a reputation too, man, and it, it, it really hurt me, like, all the rumors and stuff coming out and – I pretty much did nothing, you know what I mean? And I was the bad guy. I was the one taking all the heat. And, like, it was just – it was it, it was it was a hard pill to swallow, man. And I didn't like that. Um, one day I'm going to have to call Bill and ask him and have a talk with him. Well, Malcolm – Get him uh, on the documentary. This is <laughs> – you know what? Now, there's – Ask him to do that. And yeah, most, yeah, I'm going I'm I'm to have to go on here and tell him to, uh, face-to-face so he won't, yeah. so it won't be new to him. Yeah. Can you imagine you two sitting the way that, like, Belichick was sitting with Nick Saban whenever they did that little documentary and you guys just kind of talking through it? It actually would be quite fascinating. Malcolm Butler, thanks for the uh, the intel, the time. Good luck with the book and the documentary as well. And uh, thanks for uh, filling in some gaps here on Gresham Fourier. We appreciate it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And uh, make sure you check out Hydroxycut. Um, hardcore man, uh, it's a it's a great supplement. You know, give you a lot of energy, man. I'm trying to stay in shape. I'm trying to stay cut, uh, man. I, it gives me energy to take care of my kids and work out with my kids, man. You can find this in all stores, Walmart, CVS. Uh, it's a great supplement, man. I think everybody should check it out, man. If you need that energy and uh, you try to stay right and tight, just like me. There we go, Malcolm. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. There goes Malcolm Butler with us on the Harbor One Hotline. It was great.